The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to this episode of Climate Matters, the first episode since the New Zealand government crystallised as a three-party coalition. I'm Lindsay Wood, I'm from climate strategy company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz. Well, today, as I said, we've got the first episode since the new government crystallised, and here's what we're going to cover. Essentially, we're focusing on insights for the new government, win-win tips for how they can benefit the economy and climate in fine-tuning their policy. We're going to cover things like if they can only develop one climate strategy this term, what should it be? If New Zealand was to be a climate leader, or how can it be a really good climate leader? And it can, we'll give some examples. A reminder that the economy is a derivative of energy and not the other way around. And another energy thing we promised last time that we'd pick up on Simon Michaud's amazing figures on energy and minerals. We're going to touch base on that. Addressing energy and mineral blindness is what we've called it. And then a bit more on transport and housing, solving the impossibility equations. So having said all of that, let's get into Climate Matters number 106. Basically, here's what I wrote in the editorial. I was obvious, as I've, as clear, I've focused uh, on the, the government and trying to give them some insights, especially stuff that they might not automatically have on their radio. So it's to a new government with sweeping agenda. Climate Matters 106 offers some insights and suggestions to help inform fine tuning their policy. All of these are win-wins, and they benefit the economy and the climate, as I said a moment ago, and often they benefit much more besides, which is ideal. Win-win-win. One of the one example gives uh, benefits from setting the bar really high, especially on innovation. There are two snippets or articles in here that warn of major blind spots in standard energy planning, and then there are two that point from different directions to transport tweaks they could put in place that offer spectacular financial gains plus a whole lot of other benefits. And then we've pointed to the fact that I hope Climate Matters 107 will, among other things, have a peek at the huge cost of inadequate climate action. We've got some striking figures to put before you for that. We'll have a hot tip. We have no um, quiz this week, I'm sorry, so... Uh, I hope we get back into that pretty soon. So here's the first article. If government only developed one climate strategy this term, it should be, wait for it, the fast transition off single occupancy cars, which we've described as a speedy everything policy. The current 75% or so of private vehicles 
that have only one occupant is a total nonsense, and we've called it to the nth degree, and here's why. It's an, it's an efficiency nonsense. It's a balance of payments nonsense. It's urban congestion nonsense. It's infrastructure budget nonsense. It's workforce productivity nonsense. It's urban planning nonsense. It's commercial transport nonsense. It's climate nonsense. It's biodiversity loss nonsense. It's resource depletion nonsense. It's personal finances nonsense. Do you want some more? I think that makes the point, doesn't it? We could elaborate on any one of those. Rolling on from there. We should be and could be, and at times already are, a climate leader. Take the amazing reconnecting Northland, integrating indigenous knowledge with nature and bureaucratic navigation into a remarkable toolkit they call Tikiti Hononga. It took first place in the Sustainable Business Awards Regenerating Nature category just released, and it's attracted interest from overseas. Well done, Reconnecting Northland. Let's go now to Neocrete, and de developed in New Zealand and with massive global potential as a game-changer in the hard-to-crack emissions reduction of concrete. Standard concrete causes a huge 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions, and it's a game-changer if this can take off. It uses volcanic ash, and then they have a special additive they put with that. I'd love to more, know more, but there's also, as well as then, website going up on the Fresh FM Climate Matters page. We'll also put a link to the detail, the Monday this week, which would be about the 28th, I think, of um, November, had a fascinating 23-minute session on basically some of the remarkable think tank work that's going on here. And then there's more, another trailblazing initiative from Pure Advantage. You might have heard me talk about Pure Advantage before. Check out their YouTube clip that covers a program they've just launched called Recloaking Papatuanuku, and they call it the largest nature-based solution ever proposed for Aotearoa, New Zealand. Wonderful. It offers major long-term financial benefits as well as all sorts of natural regeneration and so on. And just to make a point, each of these three has just emerged in the last few days across my inbox. If only we can keep going at that sort of rate, that will be something really special. Okay, restoring sight to our industrial ecosystem. That's a, an unusual uh, take on it, aka avoiding a nasty trap. And we start with a quote from Simon Michaud, our industrial ecosystem is minerals blind as well as energy blind. I think we gave that quote to you recently as well in another context. That's how um, Simon Michaud framed the gross miscalculations that underpin global energy and mineral strategies. Michaud is a world-leading analyst in the minerals and geology sector. He works for the Finnish Geological Survey. If you're a politician or strategist or if anyone else interested in this stuff and you're keen to avoid that trap, the trap being a serious miscalculation of our energy and mineral future, then if you're keen to avoid that trap, even if you hate eye-watering figures, and he has plenty of those, then take 50 minutes and watch him at the YouTube link that we'll put up. 
If your eyes water too much for that, then check out his baseline calculations. You'll find them at 18 minutes in, and then his conclusions at 47 minutes. And if that's still too much, then listen up now, and I'll summarize it all even more. Lock into your thinking, quotes, one generation quotes of fully renewable energy production. What does that mean? Michaud has calculated all the energy production we need to set up as renewable power stations, etc., to replace all of the fossil fuel power generation and energy use that we've got now globally. Okay, so one generation is that those systems typically last between 10 and 30 years. So if you think of 25 years, roughly till 2050, so between now and 2050 to fully renewableize, sorry about that, renewableize our energy production, it will take, listen up to these, half a million power stations around the world. That is more than 10 times all of the power stations in existence now. And that means we have to complete one every half hour, 24-7 for 25 years, and then keep going because they'll be being decommissioned at that stage. B, the, we need orders of magnitude faster mineral extraction. For example, for copper, we'd have to extract it four times the rate that we've been doing recently. For nickel, it'll be eight times, and for a lithium, that's a key ingredient in a lot of batteries, get this, 400 times faster. And as if that's not enough, there are far more minerals needed than are in known reserves. The mineral industry has a pretty good idea of all the reserves of minerals around the world. We need, in for copper, we need five times as much copper as is known to exist, or at least exist in extractable form. And that's not, that's just the start. We need 10 times as much nickel. We need 40 times as much lithium and other astonishing figures for a whole lot of other minerals. So do you think that's doable? I, it's just out of the question. It's just a nonsense to think that the world can transition to renewable energy and keep going at the level of energy consumption we do now. In that vein, here's a quote from Michaud. Renewables may not be strong enough to power the next industrial era. He's referring there to the fact that all the future energy sources have a very low EROI, that is, low energy return on energy invested. That's another concept for another time. But here's another energy article. The economy is a derivative of energy supply, not the other way round. Conventional economics sees energy as what's known as derived demand of the economy. That is, the economy wants more energy, so more energy is produced, etc. The economy wants more aggregate for concrete, it digs more aggregate. But there is abundant evidence the reverse is actually true, that available energy, especially what's called surplus energy, that is what's left after we use some of the energy to get the energy, whether it's walking to get firewood or whether it's drilling for oil wells or making photovoltaic panels, they all take energy. So especially surplus energy sets the level at which a society thrives or fails to thrive. And get this, all debt, that is all our financial debt, is ultimately a claim 
on future energy supplies. That's a concept that most people have probably never heard of. All debt is ultimately a claim on future energy supplies. And if we have declining energy supplies, for the reasons we've just talked about, that will cause increased debt default as well as a suppressed economy. Think on this and the other item we just mentioned about the impossibility of generating all the renewable energy we think we're going to need. And we've really got to rethink where we're going with energy. Surplus Energy Economics is a blog that we'll give a link to there and their blog number 260. They're serious blogs. They take a bit of digesting, but 260 gives you Energy Return on Energy Invested 101 and Surplus Energy Economics 101. Closing in on the end, Transport and Housing, the Impossibility Equations that Need Fresh Policy Settings. And here we've extracted information from national, the National Party's own website. We'll give a link to that. It outlines what the government plans and calls a bold transportation plan, and parts of it make actually good sense. For example, um, easing congestion, for example, more public transport. But it's surprisingly quiet on heavy road transport, especially given that's one of the big claims for building more highways or supposed reasons for it, and I sympathize with the heavy transport sector in that. But there, and I'm quoting here, but what they call roads specifically designed to unlock housing seems, as I have described it, set on disproving Albert Einstein. Einstein famously said, we cannot solve problems with the same thinking used to create them. More roads with more houses at the end is more of the same. It augurs badly for congestion, and the plan says it will address congestion. It augurs badly for emissions and for public health. And if we increase private car occupancy, as we mentioned in the very first what-if government only enacted one climate policy this term, if we increased car occupancy... Um, private car occupancy, then we likely won't need many of the planned roads because a lot of them are driven by congestion, which is caused by low occupancy vehicles. So I've invited the politicians and policy strategists to consider where the economic sense in all of that lies. Okay, we're at the end except for a hotter tip for a cooler planet, and we've already given you a hint to that. Be inspired for 23 minutes and do listen to the deep tech sector dreaming up ways to save the planet. The detailed podcast, which was broadcast early this week, we will give a link to that. So thank you so much for your company. I do hope you've enjoyed this session. We'll get a little bit out of politics next week, but we're not going to leave it completely behind because, as I mentioned, we're going to touch on what is the terrible cost of not taking enough climate action. Anyway, in the meantime, until next week, when I hope I enjoy your company, kia kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, 
go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.